Welcome to For Good Measure, an interview series celebrating diverse composers and other creative artists, sponsored by a grant from the California Arts Council. I'm Nanette McGinnis, Artistic Executive Director of Ensemble for These Times. In this week's episode, we continue our Da Capo Conversations, a mini-series where we'll be giving familiar segments a topical twist. Today we revisit Gabriela Elena Franks and Dawn Norfleet's advice for young women and early career artists. Here's what Gabriela Elena Frank had to say. I would like to say to anyone who is aspiring to be a composer, whether you're young or not, but maybe per, perhaps this message is for those that are younger, is that 2020 is what it looks like when the world is telling you it's, it's time to change. And this is your generational prerogative is to take things that you see from the past, really look at the past and take things that you see in absolute terms as valuable and carry those with you and then try to open the doors and get the skill sets to fashion this world in your vision, fashion the 21st century world. So that it's truly 21st century and not just a continuation of the 20th century, which was in our field already out of date. And this beloved field of ours has long considered itself exempt from being with the times and that no longer tenable. So even if you don't know what that looks like, what the 21st century looks like, there are things that you can do now and which is to meet people, work with a lot of different people, trust your instincts if something just doesn't seem right, even after you've stuck with it for a while, it may not be for you. And trust that the music conservatory is about 10% of what you will need. And that can seem really daunting, but you may not need three degrees. You might be able to stop after undergraduate and try an intern or work Um, I think the music conservatory world is going to change quite a bit over the next decade in terms of the repertoire that they will ask you to learn and the the Western-oriented theory that they will ask you to learn may adjust and open you up to other non-Western ways of thinking about music. And and if it doesn't, you will need to do this yourself. And you have this marvelous internet at your disposal. We communicate and find people, but you're going to have to be more of a detective. In some ways, I envy you because this was the kind of environment that I needed when I was coming of age in in the 90s. And I managed to do things within the conservatory and I got a lot out of it, I really did. But there were a lot of things that wasn't gonna do for me. I wanted to go to Peru so that I can write a string quartet better. Most people were going to Vienna and Paris and, 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 and Berlin for this kind of thing. And I wanted to do volunteer work and that was not something that was was really supported. I had to do that on my own time and wanted to study Latin American music. There were never any courses that were offered. So I found support in the women's studies department and romance language department and or I just made money on my own and funded my own trips. So I think some of those kinds of strategies will probably really be good for you. I would question whether you need to really go into monstrous debt in order to become a musician. And I don't think you should. 
I think you should spend a fraction of that amount of money, take years off from school instead, use that to um, get great lessons with, with uh, incredible teachers and try to do short-term programs, festivals or short-term academies and meet people and grow your skill sets. This is a, a changing world and you're at the crossroads and sticking to old methods, I think will not serve you well. So that's what I would say. And I would also end on a positive note, which is you are really needed. That if you wanna do this, I love my job. I love what I do. I think you'll love what you do if you're smart about the steps you take, knowing that you're needed. Here's what Don Norfleet had to say. For emerging composers who are, let's say that, uh, let's say they're very young, um, like in their teens or 20s, I would encourage them to listen to lots of different kinds of music and play a lot of different kinds of music, or at least be open to it. Um, if even if you don't want to play it, like if you're in college, if you have an opportunity, take a, a a course in a style of music that you're that's unfamiliar to you. Um, I think that's that's one thing. For one for for one thing, it expands your ear, and another uh, another thing, it allows you to hear how other people make music. Um, music people of different cultures um, uh, make diff- make music for a variety of reasons. And sometimes that can um, lead you to be interested in the people that make that kind of music. Uh, that's what, that's what drew me to ethnomusicology actually. When I, when I found out that something called ethnomusicology existed, I was like, what the heck is that? Uh, but then, you know, being around people that make music and finding out why they make music um, as well as how they make music, that just really fascinated me. And so um, in this universe now that's so, uh, we're, we're, we're drawn closer together and pulled further apart by this technology, um, we can get into our bubbles, you know, um, where we uh, communicate pretty much with people who think like us, and so we could be listening to the same music and that kind of thing. Um, Taking steps to just go beyond that, uh, a lot of times it'll be through uh, a course that you take in college or going to a concert series or something like that. Uh, and um, yeah, I'd, I'd say that, you know, music, music can be a safe way to make a first step into reaching beyond something that you're familiar with, you're, something that you're unfamiliar with. Um, let's see, there, there's other advice that I'd ha- I have. Um, <laughs> Yeah, don't compare yourself to other people. You don't know what their <laughs> their issues are. Um, like uh, thinking that, well, 
I'm 17 years old and I haven't had my, you know, I haven't gotten into this thing yet that I've applied for two times and I didn't get in and I must be horrible. No. Um, going back to something that I'd said earlier, when I, when I graduated from college, um, I stopped playing the flute for about two or three years. Uh, so I was pretty much self-taught until college. So I took uh, flute lessons for three years in college. Mm -hmm. And um, then I convinced myself that, you know, there were other people who were my age that were much better than me. And so, yeah, I actually stopped playing. So when I came back to it, I realized that nobody has my own voice. So um, when you're 17 or 13 or 14 or 15 or to 21 or whatever, um, there are a lot more opportunities for, for girls, for women, for non-binary people, for people of color, for, you know, all these different groups of people. There are a lot more opportunities. And what I'm also realizing is that could also bring potential for additional stress and pressure, you know, another competition, another way for somebody to tell me I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. um, what I have said was that I mean, I was trying to think of a nice way of saying it, but you win some things and you lose some things. You win some <laughs> things, you don't win some things. But when you don't win something, there are opportunities of, um, of reflection, um, of even seeing the way the world works. You know, there, there are many... Um, just because you didn't get something doesn't mean you are terrible. It means at that particular time, you didn't get it. <laughs> and um, there, you know, there are, um, there'll be other opportunities after, you know, and I'm saying opportunities a lot because every day that you're alive, um, there is another chance for something to happen. And it's, you know, up, up, up to us to make things happen when they seem not to be working our way. So um, one thing I've learned is that nobody has my voice. Nobody has my unique voice. So um, even though I may not, uh, I, I, I may not be strong in one area, I have strengths in all these other areas. So um, my mission as an artist is to be uh, the, the best me that I can be. So that can mean, you know, um, improving my intellect, my artistry, taking lessons, um, performing, uh, you know, and then getting balance, you know, something that is not in that realm of what I'm trying to achieve. And that's, that's also something I've, I've said to a, um, an aspiring composer. Her, her, uh, I remember talking to her and her father, like her father was, was concerned about all this pressure 
And um, like, how do you get balance? And I said, you know, have something that's just away from all of that. For me, when I was in grad school, um, I that that's the same time that I started my jazz my career as a jazz musician. So I was I, I would do you know I would um, take my classes and then I would you know do my field research and then I would also you know go to um, jam sessions and go to jazz concerts and you know perform. So I had a whole other life that was totally separate from my academic life, my scholarly life. And um, my attitude was, okay, well, if they throw me out of school tomorrow, I'll still have this. <laughs> you didn't have all your eggs in one basket. No, no, no. And, and even, um, even when I was working on my comps, um, I mean, <laughs> ethnomusicology, the ethnomusicology um, exam was was nuts. I mean, they could test you on anything. And there was the famous needle drop where they, you know, get a, um, an album, drop the needle, and you'd have to, you know, say something about the culture of this. this. <laughs> it was just crazy because it could have been anything. <laughs> but um, how I prepared for that was I would, you know, have I, w I would schedule time for um, study, eating, walking, exercising, and then every Friday night I'd walk over to Blockbuster Video <laughs> and get <laughs> get two movies, watch one, fall asleep on the other one, then watch the second one the next night. What, you know, so I would schedule in time for uh, for exercise and time for re relaxation. Um, because that relaxation time is resetting time. And um, one thing I need to go back to is um, going away, like I'm in an urban area. And, and for me, my reset was going, you know, like going up the coast um, and just being away from the internet, being away from, you know, Netflix and just you know, cell phones and stuff like that and reset, recharge, and renew. <laughs> That's such wonderful advice. And the whole notion of getting away or being away with your videos and going up the coast, that's great. Don't you find that the brain needs to percolate and that when you go away from something, even for a short time, but also for a long time, that when you come back and you get the rust off, because there will be that rust that's very disheartening, something has grown in the absence. And whether it's a skill or whether it's insight, don't you find that something's happened, something exciting? Yes. And, and as intense as uh, anyone can be, everyone needs sleep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everyone needs sleep. And um, so it, it, it also makes sense that everyone needs to take a break, you know, um, from whatever hustle they're involved in. And yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening to Four Good Measures Da Capo Conversations, and a special thank you to our guests for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, 
please subscribe to our podcast by clicking on the subscribe button and support us by sharing it with your friends, posting about it on social media, and leaving us a rating and a review. To learn more about E4TT, our concert season online and in the Bay Area, or to make a tax-deductible donation, please visit us at www.e4tt.org. This podcast is made possible in part by a grant from the California Arts Council and generous donors like you. Four Good Measures produced by Nanette McGinnis and Ensemble for These Times and designed by Brennan Stokes, with special thanks to co-producer and audio engineer Stephanie M. Newman. Remember to keep supporting equity in the arts and tune in next week for Good Measure.